Sarah. Hello. <laughs> it's the end of the year. It is. <laughs> I'm Except not ready. it's not really. It's pouring rain in Brooklyn and you're here and we're recording a... Yeah. A second... A second, an end of the year podcast. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. Um, we have lots and lots of questions, so we're going to try and go fast, but you know we can never really go that fast. I don't it's know how true. many we really did, although we're on question 20, so maybe we did do like 18. Um, we are here answering AMA questions and also book recommendations like Stump Sarah and Jen questions. I feel like we're doing okay, but what do I know? Um, welcome to Faded Mates. Welcome to Faded Mates, everybody. So let's go ahead and start with Beth uh, from Milwaukee. She has a question that is... Beth. Okay, so it says she's going to Iceland. Maybe she's already gone. This is a stump... We're stumping us. You're right, right. and we're actually any. We're we're be. I think we did pretty well on the last episode. We'll see. We have one about vampires and yeah, fashion designers, which felt like that's a big (laughs) ass. I'm sure there's one. That's the thing we are just saying in romance. There's always a book. Yeah, it feels like there's always a book. So in this case, she's going to Iceland and needs a book that has snow and cold and using body heat and the hem. Other activities for warmth. Perfect for an uh, end-of-year episode. Sure. Bonus points of a volcano. What? what other geological <laughs> feature is part of the story. Subgenre's not important. She's already knows about the ice planet barbarians. Volcano romances, Sarah. Have you ever been asked such a thing? No, but I'm kind of pissed that I can't think of one. Surely there is one. Like, Joe versus the volcano was a movie. Sure. Here's my thing. I, in my brain, I'm like Elizabeth Lowell. I know it. Some kind of 80s. Yeah. Homesteading volcano. (laughs) She was always in her old, like, contemporaries. There was always, like, a a hero or heroine who had a really interesting job. So, but what what she wants is, uh, I don't Snowed in with a volcano. (laughs) (laughs) You cannot get everything you want. What you can get (laughs) is Eden Burning by Elizabeth Lowell. Ooh. Paradise Calls to Chase Wilcox, a man of science. Escaping the destruction of his own personal world, drawn to the lush beauty of the island of Hawaii. Sorry, it is Great. not cold, but this is the only volcano romance in my deep well of brain. Yeah, my brain Im- immediately went to that Anne Stewart Hawaii romance where the heroine thinks the hero is her brother and they make out. <laughs> it's a lot. I mean, but I don't think there's a volcano. That in has it. left me a little cold, but for a different yeah. reason. <laughs> and then as far as snowed in romances, I mean. The world's your oyster. Oh, my gosh. Just load up on Christmas novellas, I I feel like. If you're a person who loves a Christmas novella, this episode is going to be released between Christmas and New Year's. So, um, you know, you might be overdone with holiday romances. Sure. But if you do love a Christmas novella, you really – you can't throw a stone and hit a Christmas novella that's not – Snowed in. Sure. My favorite of these, like, title-wise, is Berry Christmas Baby by Sasha Devlin. And the character <laughs> is a bear shifter. Oh, It's a great title. Are they snowed in? I mean, sure. Let's They're say hibernating. Yes. I don't know. There's, um, I did a Christmas, uh, anthology with Sophie Jordan and Joanna Shoup and Tessa Dare. And Sophie wrote a snowed in. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Retelling of Home Alone set in Scotland. That's awesome. Yeah. But my favorite snowed in. Oh, there are a lot of them. Yeah, there's so many. Yeah. I got to think because actually I was going to say one thing, but I don't think it's actually a snowed in old school. My favorite, I was going to talk about my favorite Christmas novella, but let me, I'll think for, again, I feel like last time we had this thing where like, 
It's like if the question is something like there's only one bed. It's like the world's your oyster. Like there are so many that it's hard to like even even yeah. think of one. Um, so let me think of snow. Yeah, let me thinking think of the one volcano romance deep in the recesses of my brain is actually a little sure. easier. Uh, what is our con beverage of choice in case Beth is around to buy us drinks? Uh, alcoholic? Yeah, I would assume. I love a glass of rosé. All the time. I really do. Hmm. Okay. I like a Moscow Mule. But in the winter, I'm more of a Pinot Noir kind of lady. All right. Fine. Fair. Okay. Emily from Washington, D.C. would like to know a our best star-crossed lovers book. Can we get a verdict on what this means, star-crossed lovers? I just feel like it means like... Because I always feel like it has to end unhappily, a star-crossed lover. Well, yeah. But in romance, Is it like then, enemies to lovers? No. See, I think it's like we're not supposed to be together, but we really want to be. Like uh, so our families are at odds. Like or right, cousins. Yeah. <laughs> I was all, yeah, no. I was like... On the Sierra Simone scale. Sure. Fine. <laughs> that's normal. Right, like, you know, there's something about our life situation <laughs> yeah. that's supposed to keep us Yeah, our apart. families hate right. each other. And I mean, like, Kate Claiborne's mm-hmm. uh, Luck of the Draw, for example, sure, would sure. be one to me where, you know, they... Oh, you know, I love that one. That's a great choice. Yeah, it is. So I would say, you know, in that one, the reason they are star-crossed is she was, a, like, essentially a lawyer for a healthcare company that prevented his brother, mm-hmm. his family, from getting sort of the help they needed when her when the brother was really sick. I th- feel like something like Kennedy Ryan's long shot would be appropriate mm. here, too, because the hero, that's sort of star-crossed at this, from the start. So it begins with the hero and heroine meeting each other on the eve of the NBA um, draft. Mm-hmm. And uh, the heroine is dating an NBA player who is not the hero. Right. And they have this, like, intense meeting where everything is just, like, perfect between them and she's like well i'm with somebody and he's like rats and his and he's at the same time he's sort of like well i guess that's fine because my life is about to change tomorrow and he gets drafted and her boyfriend gets drafted and then they have this sort of like weird relationship where they know each other because he and the boyfriend are then become nba rivals Mm -hmm. and then and she's in like a terribly abusive relationship and then finally she escapes this relationship and um content warning there's a lot of abuse on the page um, and then they end up falling in love, but it's very, that feels like tragically star-crossed to me. Like, but for one yes. thing, they would have been happily ever after from the beginning. Right. Yeah. So I think for me, like star-crossed feels, it's just like really angsty, right? Yeah. Like something, you know, like they're, they're just always at the wrong place at the wrong time. They can't quite, you know, figure it out. Um, so yeah, let's just, let's leave it there and then we'll see like what comes up. But to, you know, if I think of anything else. Coming summer 2020. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, exactly. Daring and the Duke feels like it could be star-crossed. Yeah. Right. Like things, if, if it had not been for this. But for. Yeah. These terrible situations. Sure. Okay. Um, Megumi from San Antonio, Texas. It, like a book that is a contemporary of someone not Scottish going to Scotland and finding love. Maybe England, but mostly Scotland. Um, there I is, gotta go, go ahead. First. I was gonna another Sophie Jordan. Well, oh, contemporary though. I know. Oh, Sophie Jordan wrote a novella 
while you look for that title, I'm going to talk about Unfixable by Tessa Bailey. In this one, um, Willa is the heroine's name, and she actually, I think she goes to Ireland. Shit. I don't think it's Scotland. Well, (laughs) then you're out of luck. God damn it. Okay. Well, either way, she goes to Ireland. I still think it's going to work. It's called In a Stranger's Bed. Only one bed. Um, Sophie Jordan. It's a retelling of Goldilocks. Okay. And she is, like, on a tour bus, like, through the wilds of Scotland. And the bus, she misses the bus pickup Mm. on the way back. And she has to sort of, like, traipse through a heath to a cottage with a a chimney, you know, bubbling and um, piping. And inside there's a gruff old bear of a dude uh, who, and there's only one bed and the 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 road has been washed out, and so they have to wait for like the road to stop being washed out for her to leave. And she's like trapped. It's forced proximity. They're trapped together in this like yeah. very sexy thing. Okay, she's American. It's Scotland. Yeah. So I think another one that you could look at is Melanie Johnson's "Getting Hot with the Scot." Um, in which case a Chicagoan and her girlfriends, I think, are going on a trip to Scotland and basically, um, it's actually a pretty funny setup. Uh, she stumbles into this dude who's like wearing a kilt and he's a Highlander, right? But he's kind of a prankster. And so, um, it's like kind of unclear if, you know, like really like what's going on with this guy. And then there's one other one I'm going to think about... Are any of those Melissa Blue books in Scotland? Oh, God, I don't know. Melissa Blue wrote a whole series called Under the Kilt. She might even still be writing this series. Yeah. Um, I know the first one is he is not in Scotland, but all the heroes are Scottish. Yeah. And all the heroines are American. Well, and certainly there is the Alyssa Cole, a Duke, uh, oh, a Duke yeah. by default. I mean, of course. She goes to do a entire, um, yeah. you know. Sure. A, an entire, he's a sword maker and she's going to do, like, he'd be his social media expert. Okay, and then I have one more recommendation. I'm just trying to get the title because you know how I am. Call something about, and it's like, uh, crap. I'm like looking for books with Highlander in the title. You might as well shoot yourself. There's so many of them. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, that was an inappropriate joke. Um, there is a whole other one about a, a like a, a woman who goes. Meh. I can't find it. All right. Well, I'll put it in show notes if I can find it. But I still think Unfixable by Tessa Bailey. She goes to Ireland. I think it's going to count. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, here's an AMA question also. This is a good one. What takes you out of a book? Ripping expensive clothes? Weird words, even in a weirder context? What What is it that you're like, I'm out when you're reading it? I have a problem with like weird, like, I do not have a problem suspending disbelief, like, for plot. Yeah. For at most, all. Yeah. Romance. I have a problem for, like, weird little, like, char- like weird little things that happen over the course of a story that are just, like, move the story along but wouldn't make any, like, just don't mm. make any sense. Yeah. Like, I'm in uh, New York City 
and I get in my car in Midtown and I drive three blocks and park the car. <laughs> like, you're like, what? And yet, nobody would do that. Yeah. Like, no, just nobody would ever do that. Yeah. Um. So stuff like that pulls me out. And But I know that that sounds a little bit like, oh, it's just a false representation of a setting that I know very well. But that's not it. Because, like, I don't actually mind when stuff like that happens. Yeah. It's not that exact thing, but it's like... Things that just don't seem logical to yeah. me. Um, I would say, for me, it's it's not even like pulling me, taking me out of a book. I guess it's like what makes me quit reading, um, like a really slow start or like in a romance, like, right, I want the romance to really get. I want the motor running on the romance pretty fast. Yeah. And so it's a slow burn is different where you like, they're still in proximity and just like pining or whatever. But if like the, one of the romantic partners is off page for more than a chapter, I'm like, where the hell did they go? What happened? Right. This yeah. Is, you know, if so like sort of the disappearing love interest, I think is, I'm like, eh, maybe this isn't for me. It's fine. Spies. Spies. I know. Okay. Um, Becca wants a funny contemporary, a true rom-com, minimal trauma. They don't exist. Moving on. Ah, that's not true. <laughs> uh, Jenny Cruzy. Yeah. Susan Elizabeth Phillips. You gotta go old. I think, yeah. You gotta go older. Um, because now it's too much, they're, like, the funny don't bring the sexy, the sexy don't bring the funny. I mean, it's hard to be funny. It's hard to be funny. Yeah. I No, and I, I don't mean to be dismissive, but... Even though we talk a lot about rom-coms being back, I don't actually think that they're... I have not read a truly funny contemporary in years. Sorry. That's the truth. All right, then. Next. Uh, I'm like, sorry. You want the impossible. You wanted volcanoes. I have one for you. You want a truly funny contemporary? They don't exist. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Okay. Go ahead. I feel like I'm quoting The Princess Bride. What does he say? They don't exist. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Laurel from NC, uh, North Carolina, soon would like a book that has a a marriage of convenience and a historical. Again, Nate, pick your poison. Uh, Sherry Thomas Mm -hmm. does this, I mean, almost better than anyone. Yeah. Um, The best, hang on, I'm going to look. You you can talk. Is the newest Sophie Jordan marriage of convenience, The Duke Buys a Bride? Technically. Yes. Technically, yes. I think I like that one. Ah, uh, it's great. He I really up, liked it. The beginning of that book, I mean, talk about a beginning that like slams you into a story. He wakes up face down in a pile of horse shit and then like sits up and there's a bride auction going on around oh, yeah, him. It's right? unbelievable. Um, yeah, actually, I feel like Sophie Jordan has quite a few of those. Mm-hmm. Um, but then her newest one, The Duke's Stolen Bride. Mm. Is there a marriage of convenience in there? I feel like no, no, not. Oh, she wants to be a mistress. It's technically yeah. yeah. Like I mean, tech. No, I for me, here's the thing about marriage of convenience. For me, yeah, the entire in order for a book to be called a marriage of convenience, they have to get married early. Yeah. in the book, like it right. has to be part of the story that they are married. Yeah, I agree. Um, the luckiest lady, in lady London. in London is one of my very favorite Sherry Thomas books. Um, But that's not the one that, that's not, that's, so, uh, no, it's Ravishing the Heiress. That's Mm. the one. Okay. 
Oh, and it's so good. I mean, Sherry will rip your heart out and throw it on the ground and stomp all over it, which frankly is, I think, what people want when they want historicals. Like when they say, sure, I want a historical, what they want is like to feel like there's like a deep emotional Can I tell you an wreckage. amazing story? So my students are reading these like superhero books and I, I included as one of the choices the her newest YA book, the Mulan book, which is called The Magnolia Sword, mm-hmm. because I'm like, look. Mulan's basically like Batman, right? She like really just knows how to fight and she has a secret identity. It's fine. So I included this book and quite a few kids picked it. And like these kids loved this book. And these in one class, there's only two kids who picked it. And this boy and this girl are reading this book and they both loved it so much. And the boy said to her, the one boy said, he's like, this is the best romance I've ever read. And I and and the girl's like, I know. And I was just like I've made future romance readers. <laughs> Sher- Sherry Thomas, it happened. It was really cool. It was um, great. So, but I want to say this about Ravishing the Heiress. The, so the premise of this book is um, it's a marriage. It is a true marriage of convenience. The hero is an older, impoverished Earl. Mm. The heroine is a young ingenue who marries for title and brings a, all the money, like a fortune to yeah. the marriage. He's a very, very decent person and because she is so young and he is not she he's they make this pact they're gonna wait some Mm. number of years um to to consummate the marriage and so they basically live in the house together oh and he has like a childhood sweetheart who he thinks like he's basically like okay here's what we're gonna do we're gonna get married i need all your money um i in a few in like 10 years it's a long time it's not like two years it's like 10 years in 10 years we'll consummate we'll have an heir and then you will, and then we'll go our separate ways and I'll live with my mistress who is my childhood sweetheart and you'll be able to do whatever you want. Yeah. Like you can have, I, sure. I free you to the world. So they live in like this sort of platonic dom- domesticity. They share a home yeah. for a decade. That's amazing. And she is, fall. she falls in love with him mm. and they are best friends and he is like he it's it's so emotional and it's so good on the last episode somebody asked about pining yeah like this book has does that um big big thumbs up yeah for sherry um cara from finland would like a book that has chosen families strongly included in the plot Extra points if it's enemies to lovers with the heroine's family ready to kick the pining, but unfortunately dumbass heroes. But I was like, Kara wants to read IAD again. Fine. <laughs> okay, Kara, we've solved your problem. Um, this is a really interesting one. I feel like chosen families. Okay, I I don't know if this is gonna work, but I feel like a lot of like rock star romances have chosen families. And I feel like I'm like the second part, right? Enemies to lovers and the heroine's family wanting to kick the hero's butt. I'm like kind of struggling with, but let me think about this one. Chosen families. You love this too. I love a found family. Um, So for me, this is like a historical brotherhood or sisterhood. It's basically a Scott in the dark. That she's asking for with like the found family wanting to hit the dumb, kick the dumb, yeah. like all the, it's the, the, 
soiled sisters. Um, I also feel like, again, back to like a lot of like Rebecca Zanetti or like books where there's like a big a group of like men, me, you know, me, Navy SEALs or whatever. Right. And they have like a, you know, old Julie Garwood. There's one where. Um, yeah, but none of those heroines have anybody. Yeah. Isn't there one where she only has brothers? Are you thinking of Gentle Rogue again? <laughs> God, maybe. For fuck's sake. Gentle Rogue is like gonna I mean, my life. <clears throat> this isn't a found family one, but Kingdom of Dreams, which we're gonna read this season on Faded Mates, maybe we already have, um, has a family. No, it's not. It's not the same. Never mind. Delete that. <laughs> you don't have to delete that. But... <laughs> This is interesting because I think there are a couple of things going on here, right? So, like, yes, all the all the rock star books. Um, you know what I like is if you think about Kristen Callahan's rock star books, right? Yeah. The ass kicking doesn't come from the heroine's side, though. The ass kicking comes, comes from, from the, the hero's, hero's found family. Yeah. That's what I keep thinking about. What about the wallflowers, Lisa Claypas? Well, that's a good one where like Lillian, yeah, uh, will destroy like she is so loyal like yeah. she will destroy anybody who comes for any of her friends so she's a fun found fa- like that is a found family a found sisterhood yeah right the sisterhood um, and is she really wants strong. to crush saint vincent yeah in devil in winter so that's a good choice um all right well let's we gotta think i'm that's a lot of requests like layered i need to th- check show notes because i'm gonna think a little more about that okay um, Crystal from New Jersey, childhood friends to lovers in a historical. The male is titled, but the feet, the woman is not. I was like, again, all of them. Yeah. Uh, childhood friends to lovers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tess Dare. Oh, yeah. There you Tessa go. Tess Dare's first series is, um... You'd think I, Tess is a friend, you'd think I could come up with. Yeah, well, you know. The names of her are no, early we, books. You probably can't even name your own books. Come on. I, I really probably can't. It's true. Um, <laughs> Let's see. The first, the Wanton Dairy Maid trilogy. <laughs> I forgot that's what that's called. That's, um, okay. I think it's Goddess of the Hunt that I'm thinking of, which is her debut romance novel. I mean, like, it's, um... It is, hang on, God, when I Google Goddess of the Hunt, I come up with Artemis, which is uh, <laughs> not Tessa Um <clears throat> uh, Goddess of the Hunt is, I think, the one that I'm thinking of, where she, Lucy and Jeremy, right? Lucy and Jeremy, it's brother's best friend. They've known each other since they were children. He has always been, like, she he's always been around he's titled she's i think not he's an earl i mean she's obviously not because mm-hmm. she's a woman but i don't know if she's married i don't know what her brother what the deal is but anyway like she's she like wants to practice kissing on him and stuff like it's yeah. very cute it's exactly what you want that book to be yeah Okay, um, Rosalie from the Chicago suburbs. Hey, Rosalie. Hey, Rosalie. Sounds like Chicago. Um, wants books she can recommend to her 15-year-old son. 
um, have thought about Serena Bowen's Ivy years. Although LJ Shen Center of Saints series is high school, it seems too dark and gritty. And I think he would not be able to suspend reality for some of the storylines, given that he is the same age. So assume- I think that's interesting because I think Serena Bowen's Ivy years I don't I, I'm curious to know where her son is like because those yeah. books are very like solid romance. Well, like, no, this LJ Shen is too dark. No, no, no. I'm talking about the Serena, Serena Bowen. Oh, yeah. Well, I actually want to recommend some like just kind of straight up like YA romances. And then it, the book I think I actually often think about, too. So let me give you kind of like a. Uh, like there's some adult romances that I think are might be interesting because they're like adventure stories, which I just think lots of kids really like. So um, we've I always talk about Alona Andrews Hidden Legacy series. I think Polaris Rising by Jesse Mihalik would be really good for this. Although you're like sort of leaning towards in these recommendations, these are sort of straight up. These are also all sports books. A lot of oh yeah, a lot so of, lot of like, sports. Okay, sports going on in these books. Okay, I would also recommend in terms of like YA romance, um, which I think might be. Um, I think uh, Maureen Gu writes amazing YA romances that are also really funny. Um, one is called um, "The Way You Make Me Feel," but I would recommend her first one, which is called um, uh, the, ugh, the something. It's got yellow and a flower on it. <laughs> um, let me look. Sorry. It's got yellow and a flower on Shut it? Shut up. Wait. That's all I can do right now. Who's it written by? Maureen Gu. Um, it's oh, uh, yeah. Um, the way you make me feel, I already said, oh, I believe in a thing called love. Okay. Here's another kind of, and in that one, the heroine is a soccer player. So if that, like the sports angle is sort of interesting, that might work. Um, a book I really love, and I'm not sure that I think it is exactly a romance, but it's a book I recommend to pretty much every teenager in my life that I have ever met is called The Disreputable History of Frankie Landau Banks. And this is probably one of my favorite books ever, forever, right? And in this book, a girl named Frankie goes off to boarding school. And when she goes, she knows that her father and I think her brother were part of this, like, essentially, like, this secret society at the boarding school. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I'm going to get invited to the secret society, too. But she isn't because she's a girl. So then what she happens is she's dating this cute boy and she realizes that he is in the secret society, but she realizes he's like too dumb to be good at it. So she secretly takes over the secret society because she realizes no one really knows who's running it. So she like basically starts like giving them cool things to do and everyone's doing it. And she's really the one she's essentially infiltrated it. Um, I think it is a really great book. When I when it first came out, I would describe it to like parents as like kind of the anti-Twilight. Instead of being a book where, like, Bella is just like, I'm in love with Edward, Frankie is like, I'm gonna fucking take over and kick ass and take names, and it's really amazing. Nice. And even though it's not, like, you know, it's got those romantic elements, I definitely think that it is a book, like, all teenagers would really like. And then my last recommendation is um, Allie Carter. Um, She wrote a really fun YA romance that's also kind of an adventure. Um, It is called Not If I Save You First. The kids are childhood friends. Um, One is, her dad is a secret 
service agent. The other is dad is the, the president. Son of the president. Yeah. yeah, and they are uh, they essentially witness and kind of prevent a uh, the kidnapping of the first lady of his the boy's mom, and then they get sort of split up for years, and then they sort of come back together a few years later in Alaska on an adventure, and they are still in danger, and it's really really great. So I think maybe um, if you want. Like any of those I would recommend to sort of and also, yeah, I would say 15 is a good age for any of those. Yep. I mean, I would because you sort of are throwing out books that have sex in them. I know you're a cool mom and like, yeah, willing to to roll. Um, What about uh, Naima Simone's WAG series? The Wives and Girlfriends series. It's such a good um, it's a, it's an NFL, it's, it's a, an NFL team. So everybody's all the books are connected. I mean, I personally think, um, scoring off the field is the, is the best of those three for a new romance reader because it's a friends to lovers story. Um, the heroine is, uh, we've talked about it on the podcast before, but basically like they've been best friends forever since they were kids. And, um, now he's a superstar NFL player and she's his assistant. And she realizes like, she just can't be his assistant forever because she is in love with him. And like, she, it's toxic for her. Like she can't keep this career and, um, and live like her own life. Right. Um, Beyond him. And then, of course, she quits and he realizes like she's everything to him. I think it's really romantic. It's very it's sexy, but it's not quite as sexy as the Serena Bowen, LJ Shen. And um, it still has the sports in it. If that's I think that's what you're saying. You may be saying um, that he likes sports. So if you're looking for something a little more adult. What about L. Kennedy, the deal? Yeah. Right. That's great, too. It's, yeah, it's new adult. I mean, it's like sex on page. It's set in college. He's a hockey player, and he essentially needs to make sure he passes this class. And there's a really, I think, great subplot that might be really interesting about um, her being a rape survivor and dealing with essentially mm-hmm. how she deals with her herself and sort of entering into uh, like a romantic relationship and the safety and how um, that makes everybody feel. I think that might be another really good choice. Okay, uh, Gemma from Texas would like a book that has found family with lots of good food descriptions, but not necessarily a chef romance because she's worried that chefs are at work too much. I was going to recommend a chef <laughs> romance. I think you can, um, but you know. No, well, interestingly, because both the characters are at are, are chefs, so... Actually, I have, I actually have several. I have several. <laughs> I know. I'm like this is a question um, this made. Is my, for this Sarah. is a question made for me. Um, so the for my first recommendation is Louisa Edwards, who I think we maybe have talked about um, mm-hmm. on the podcast on the pod the podcast before. Um, Louisa has um, her first series. Um, hang on, I'm pulling everything up because I don't have. That is the one thing about being about doing this like as a like fast. Um, the one thing about doing this episode as like a a scatter shot, yeah, is that, what, is that right? Is that right? Is that what I'm looking for? <laughs> is that we're like trying to find the titles all the time? But so <clears throat> the first series is called Recipe for Love, 
And it is a found family in a kitchen. Um, and like, but everybody works in food. So like there's a food journalist and there's like a, her brother is a chef, is a sous chef in the kitchen or like a line cook in the kitchen. Um, and then there's like the sous chef and the line cook have a relationship and the head chef and the food, like food writer have a relationship. And um, and then she does like a top chef style series that comes after that called Rising Star Chefs. Um, and those are all delicious. Um, and I highly, highly recommend Louisa. She also clearly adores food. She's a friend. Eating at her house is amazing. Um, so A plus there. And then my other recommendation is the series written by Rachel Higginson um, that begins with um, The Opposite of You, which is one of my very favorite romances of all time. It's a very slow burn. It's a found family of chefs. Um, there are two more in the series or maybe even three more in the series. Again, all restaurateurs and chefs. So like they, yes, they work all the time, but they work all the time together. So yeah. like there's no... It's easier yeah. to believe that the love story can happen because they're sure. all working together. Sure. Okay. Um, here is but that second series is not super hot. Okay. Yeah. All right. So let's do this one. Um, Sarah from... Also... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Also on that found family super hot chef thing or food thing is... Um, what about Adriana Herrera's... Oh, yeah. Sure. The whole uh, American... Uh, the first, first American, American Dreamer. Dreamer. What was the first American one Dreamer. Oh, well, sure. There you go. Because it's a food truck. Mm, it's all delicious, too. And Sabrina Soul has a series, too, that's similar with, um, yeah. Yeah. That's, food's not my love language. I'm not I know. One. Okay. Sarah from Albuquerque wants a bodyguard trope where the person being guarded does not spend the whole time trying to escape the bodyguard because they think they're not in danger. Bonus of the bodyguard character is female. All I will say, too, is Beverly Jenkins, mm -hmm. right? Um, there's the one Beverly Jenkins where it is, okay, I'm going to have to find out. Um where she, and it's it's great. Like he's in danger, but he's not really trying to escape her. I know he thinks he's like you know it's fine, but um, and it is a female bodyguard, and I think it's called. It's not deadly sexy. That one was I think her sister. I think it's called sexy dangerous. Is the one with the female bodyguard. Um, Nana Malone has a couple of bodyguards. of female bodyguard romances. Um, there's one in her royal series. And then there's Bodyguard to the Billionaire, which is pretty great because it's also, like, for those of you who love, like, secret identity, like, secret mm. Duke romances, this one is a contemporary version of it. So the hero is a lookalike. He's a billionaire's lookalike. Oh, cool. And so he gets hired, um, like, to go and be at some event or something um, and pretend to be the billionaire, which is fine. Like, that's how he makes his money sometimes. And um, then that person, the billionaire, gets goes missing. Um, and he has no choice but to, like, be bodyguarded yeah. by this, like, hot, sexy lady bodyguard. Um, so it's fun because there's also a sort of, it's it's a, like a, a mistaken identity romance, too. Um, I think Nana's great. She's been on the podcast before. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. Um, I'm going to aunt Molly from Washington, D.C. has an AMA question, which I'm going to talk about very briefly, um, which is how do I organize my 1,700 plus Kindle books? And I'm going to tell you this is the perfect time for you to do it because a lot of people have some extended vacation. And I will tell you, if you really want to have a new organization for your entire Kindle, you it's going to take some time. 
(laughs) right? Like it's just really something you have to like sit down and do. And I did this about a year ago and you don't have to do it my way, but I did have a long thread where I talked about how I did it. And I will say this, it's a lot easier to organize your Kindle from um, like I have an an iPad and or an iPhone because it's a lot easier actually to like move things into collections um, than it is from your computer or from the actual Kindle, believe it or not. So um, I will talk about how I will like post it. Like I basically made a bunch of like paired categories. So I have a category that's like TBR contemporary and then like, so right, I still have to read it. And then read contemporary, like our category, or, you know, contemporary. So once I've read a book, I move it from the TBR to the R, right? So essentially, like, I'm always moving books. Um, but I think basically, I I can just post and link to that whole thread, rather than talking about it. I think a lot of people just don't. But I do feel it really helps me to keep it organized. So yeah, yeah I don't. Okay, yeah. People that don't don't. I'm so glad you're here for her. Yes. Hi, Molly. Um, Here's she's also looking for a book that has is really funny features a grumpy or terse older brother's friend or older brother of a friend with a smart mouth heroine bonus points if it's super hot some sort of road trip or problem. <laughs> Basically, Bowen and Mari. Okay, I have one. <laughs> and it's weird. And I love but it's one of my very, very, very favorite. God, it's a book we should put on our list. <laughs> Now, this remember how we said, like, other sure. new books are going to come up all the time. Okay. It's called, it's Jana Aston's Right. Okay. And um, the first one, the first one is, you do not have to read both. The first one in the series is called Wrong. <laughs> and the heroine is in, both the heroines, the heroines are best friends. That's the connection between the two of them. Okay. The heroine of the first one ends up with her gynecologist. It's, you know, wrong. Sure. <laughs> that but is wrong. Whatever. Fine. <laughs> um, so... Fine. Fine. Don't add us, doctor listeners. We know. (laughs) But the second one is called Right. And what I love, so this heroine in the first book is like just the like badass, like shit talking best friend who's like awesome, full of swear words and amazing. And through the entire first book in the series, she's like, I'm going to marry this guy. Like this guy who I've known my whole life. I'm going to marry him. He's perfect. I love him. We're getting married. And the guy's like, we're not getting married. I don't love you. Like, he's basically like, but she's so, she's like this incredibly charming character who like literally is just like, that's fine. I get that that's how you feel. But like, it's going to, it's happening. Um, And then right begins and you are in, it is told, I don't want to give away too much of this book because I just think it is so brilliantly written. Um, but it's written in two, there are two sort of really interesting time frames going on. The book begins and she is in a car on a road trip home for the holidays. Mm. And she is being driven by someone, you don't know who. And she is basically telling the story of her love story with the guy from the book before who she has basically said she's going to marry. Yeah. And it becomes clear over the course of this book that the person in the driver's seat is this grumpy <laughs> hero, is the is like the grumpy hero of the book. And it is really, I don't want to give away much more. It's really terrific. Please, please go read this. <laughs> and okay. you end up realizing that like this grumpy hero has kind of been into her. Ugh. For a long, long time. That's amazing. And just been waiting for her to realize I'm here that he's there. Okay. 
Um, Hero from Paris, France would like us to, if we were a trope, what would we be? Oh, I thought you were asking for a hero from Paris, France, and I had one. No, that's our person but answering our question. Hi. Not Paris, Texas. Hero from Paris, France. That's probably not how you say your name. Hero. Hero. <laughs> Who knows? Um, if you were a trope, what trope would you be? I'd like, uh, if I was a trope, I'd be enemies to lovers. I feel like it takes some time for people to, like, mm. warm to me. <laughs> I'm I'm a lot. Man. Yeah, I'm probably the same. Yeah, I'm whatever like that high energy trope is that just like starts off on the first page. Yeah, and go 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 go. Yeah. Goes. yeah, me too. I'm not secret baby. I think it's easier to say what trope I'm not. <laughs> My uterus is Fort Knox. Everybody, <laughs> no secret anything. Okay, um, this person would also like a book that takes them on a yellow brick road of emotions. Hmm, like a real emotional book. I mean, I feel like that's the best of romance. I'm trying to think of like, what's the last book that you read that made you cry? The last book I read that made me cry was Sierra Simone Sinner. Mm-hmm. But I am a very, like, I'm a cold-hearted person. Like, it takes a lot to get me to cry. Um, I mean, the bride test made me cry, made me cry. And I remember being like, oh, my God, I'm crying. <laughs> I'm crying right now. Um, I feel like Kristen Callahan does this. Yeah, that's a good Her, answer. Uh, Rockstar series did this for me on it most. Like, she's one of those readers. She's one of those writers who, like, anytime I read a Kristen book, it's like my heart. Like, I can feel my chest tightening. Yeah. While I'm reading it. Like, it feels really deeply emotional. I feel that way when I read your book, Sarah. I know that's bad oh, for me to say, but it's so true. that's nice. Um, here, I will actually admit something, which is uh, I had to read the end of Priest. I had to, like, stop. three, And I was like, how's this going to fucking end? I'd need to know. After. I had to go forward and read it and then go backwards. So I don't – I in a romance, just knowing it will turn out is often enough. Yeah. Um, but in this case, I really did. So Yeah. You know who else does this really well is um Jennifer Ashley. If you're oh, if you haven't yeah. read The Madness of Lord Ian McKenzie, it's a magnificent book that will just really wreck you. Um Claire Kent does this, like Escorted is a real emotional, yeah, deeply emotional book. Um God, there are so many. Yeah, for sure. Um Okay, Chris from Seattle, how do we keep track of all these books? Yeah, I don't know. My brain's a strange place. I don't this even is, know. It's my only superpower. Yeah, me me too. Yeah, I don't, we are not, you, you guys, I don't think, I think you probably don't believe us, but like, we have never seen these questions before. Yeah. We didn't say this at the beginning of this episode, but Kelly put this deck together for us. Right. She collected all of the things. We never saw any of the questions. And now we are looking at each one original. Yeah. And we have not skipped one no i don't think so we're just going in order yep okay chris from seattle would like a book that starts with the main character in jail and i'm thinking that Kara mckenna book mm-hmm. um oh yeah right also uh sophie jordan sophie uh, jordan. hell breaks loose oh that whole series i fucking love that is entire the first series. book in that what is that called it's- devil's rock is the series uh the first book i think is called hell breaks loose yeah. And it begins with the hero in jail. 
Yes. Um, Hard Time by Kara McKenna, I think, is the one I'm talking about. Um, He is... And, you know, I think the thing I... In old school romances, like there's that famous one by, what is it, Jude Devereaux, where he's, we've talked about this on the podcast before, right? He's a Judith McNaught, somebody, he's accused of, um, he was accused of a crime he didn't commit and escapes or something, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a lot of these. Oh, you're talking about perfect. It's not. Perfect. Yeah, it's a, that's a um, contemporary, but it's written in the 80s. Yeah, but so I would say. Now. Yeah, the Kara McKenna Hard Time or the Sophie Jordan Devil's Rock series, um, which I really love that whole series and think it's really great. Um, There's a Grace Burroughs. Um, historical called My One and Only Duke. Um, and the hero, I don't know if it absolutely begins with the hero in jail, but he's in Newgate at the beginning of the book. Yeah. And then I would say. So is sh- a Car- there's a Kerrigan Byrne that does that too. Yeah. And we should definitely, na- oh, that's the. High Women? The High Women. Um, we should also name check those Space Planet. The oh Claire, yeah. Hold. Right? Claire Hold. Kent. Woo. They are both essentially just brought up. The, yeah, they're like, both put on a prison planet together. And, and also all those Emmy Chandler books yeah. that are prison planet books. Yeah, those are all really good, too. Yep. Um, okay, so Emily would like to know how we read as much as we do. Um, Emily, I don't watch TV. I don't. Other people I know manage to do both. But that's my, my superpower secret is that I, I don't. In fact, I watched Priest. Not priest. I watched Fleabag, <laughs> Fleabag, which it was like it's probably the first TV I've watched in like years. Yep. Yeah. So that's my thing. Is I just that's what I do. I, it's my my leader time. Okay. Uh, what do I do? I I don't know. You write and have a child. I, 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 what do I do? I read. I start a book every day. I start. I get into mm-hmm. bed every night and I start a book, and uh, I don't always finish them because yeah. they're not books that I finish. I am, here's my thing. I am, I have absolutely no guilt about putting a book down. Yeah. I think that's exactly right. So I, um, sometimes actually now that I have a kid and a dog and a life and and a, you know, deadline, I sometimes take more than one, one day to read a book. But when I'm not like most of the time, like when I'm like operating on like a normal schedule, I start a book at about nine 30 or 10 o'clock every night. And then I read until it is done or I am done yeah. with it. Well, and I think that's it. If you're not forcing yourself to read stuff you don't like, you'd be amazed at how much more you'd be reading. So that's what I would say. Um, okay. Oh, wait. Emily also has a question. A book that is deeply, utterly romantic and swoony oh. and leaves you with a profound book hangover. Great sexy banter is a plus. God, what's the last book I read that... Okay, I'm going to look at my... I have a Kindle. Okay, somebody earlier was asking about my Kindle files. One of the things I do is I have a... I'm a big rereader, everybody. And I have a Kindle collection just called A+. And these are the books that I have read and reread so many times. And so for me, mm-hmm. re- rereading is really the, like, that's when you know it's like a real book. It's like a comfort read to me, right? It's one that I've just read over and over and over again, maybe. Um, and so I'm going to look at, like, some of the things in here. Um, I feel like 
Molly O'Keefe writes books like this to me that are just really, I think they're just so emotional. Um, you will, at, at, in particular, the everything I left and said and the truth about him, that whole series I thought just thought was like so emotionally wrenching. Um, I also have Mia Hopkins thirsty in here to me was a really wrenching emotional book. Um, and then I also have, oh my God. Well, I'm not sure it would count as utterly romantic, but, uh, never sweeter by Charlotte Stein to me was a book that I just was like, Oh, I'm on, I'm in a glass cage of emotions. Um, and, uh, let me think one other one. That's what else? Another one in here. Um, I, I reread a lot of, uh, Cressley Cole, everybody. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm because she just named so many, I'm going to name one and you know that I have a lot more than one. Um, my pick is Nikki Sloan's Three Little Mistakes, Ugh. which blew me away because I was just expecting like another ho-hum BDSM erotic romance that I knew like this is the first Nikki Sloan I ever read. I've now read like everything she's ever written. Um, but I really somebody I knew she was I knew she was a fine writer, like she had been recommended by enough people. But then when I finally sat down and read this book, it blew my mind. The hero owns a like club. It begins exactly the way these books begin. Like the heroine is like young and like vibrant and she goes dancing in a club. And the hero who owns the club is like upbeat, like watching the floor and he sees her and he like points mm-hmm. at her and is like, that one, bring me that one. And she gets brought up to like his private rooms and they, you know, start a sex, like a sexy like relationship, but he's much older than she is and he's much j- more jaded than she is. And then it becomes slowly like Nikki reveals like his past in these mm-hmm. really interesting ways. And it turns out he's a cancer survivor. Mm-hmm. And like, it's so emotionally complex um, and he uh, is her father is like a rival club owner. Like it's so good, and I it's another one that like really just hit me right where I wanted it to hit me. Yeah. Okay. We're gonna um, just do a couple more kind of quick ones that are um, I think like really get to like representation and people looking for things that are really specific. So Ro- uh, Rosa, daughter of Mexican immigrants living in Oakland, oh, Oaktown, is looking for a historical romance where both main characters are people of color. Does this exist? It does. So you should definitely read everything written by Beverly Jenkins. Uh, Lydia St. Andres has written some great uh, historical romances um, that are s- uh, one's called, oh, I of course can't remember the titles. Um, one is, uh, which is the one I read? Uh, um, Courtney Milan, I think, no. I don't think Courtney's written anything with two, two main right. characters. Oh, um, A Summer for Scandal is the one I'm thinking of. And just in general, she writes really great historicals. Um, um, Alyssa Cole's whole like series about the Civil War spies. I can't remember the name of it. An Extraordinary Union is the yes. first one. Um, is one that you should definitely check out. Um, uh, Jeannie Lin. Oh, who yeah. Writes China uh, set Chinese characters are really good. Those are really amazing too. Um, I'm trying to think of more. Uh, historicals with Latinx characters. Yeah, besides Lydia Saint- San Andres. Um, 
Oh, boy. And, of course, we're... I'm thinking of all the contemporaries, right? Historical, We and we've said, I've said this before publicly, I've said this before over and over again, um, own voices, oh, uh, South Asian historicals are virtually impossible to find. Oh, yeah. Um, please, 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 if you are thinking about writing, yeah, historical needs you. Yeah. Um, but we are always open. I'm always looking for new recs on that front. Yeah. Diana Quincy books are not out yet. I think the first one comes out next year in 2020, but the characters are um, from the Middle East. Okay, perfect. Um, we will also do some legwork on that and put some more in show notes, I think. Yep. Rachel from Kansas would like a book that features a heroine who's had breast cancer. Um, and she says she's been listening to our podcast as she goes through recovery. We are happy to have you, Rachel. And I'm glad that you're in recovery. Yeah. That's great. Um, I would like to recommend a book by Kate Meter, um, which I think is great. The heroine. It, okay. It's like something, something you. Um, because all of the books in that, it's like undone by you. So over you. And I don't remember which one is this one. Um, but it is the heroine's pretty young and she's had a double mastectomy and basically it is. Okay. Wait, hold on. It's mm, hooked on you. See, sorry. Something, something you, I was so close. You were there. Um, Violet is our heroine. She's pretty young. She had a double mastectomy. It turns out that the they'd found cancer in one breast. And um, but because of her family's history, they'd recommended doing both. And, you know, she talks extensively both about like what that process was like for her and how she dealt with, you know, sort of how she felt about her body after um, like essentially having like, you know, the replacements. And then um, there's also a part in the book where she has a, a, a cancer scare. She finds a lump in her armpit and she's really freaked out that she, that it's back. And she just is sort of convinced that it's back. And it turns out that it's not, it's, you know, it's really interesting. It's like, you know, they've, it's moving around and it's, you know, it's, it's in her armpit. It's, it's not a big deal. And so um, not only is this something she dealt with in her past and, you know, she talks pretty extensively about her, her, both her process of recovery and how she made it through. And, but also kind of like when she's scared that it might ha be happening again. I think there's like a really touching scene where she's like, you know, just leave me alone. And Bren, who is a recovering alcoholic and the hero, is like, no, I'm not going to do that. She's the nanny to his kids. And she's, he's like, you're coming back with me and you're going to be with us. And there's this really touching moment where she essentially says something like, you know, this is early in their relationship, right? Like, even though they weren't in love, she wanted to be around love. And so, like, being with this family felt really good for her. So I think that this is a book where it's it's a big part of her backstory and a big part of the character. And um, one I would recommend. Um, I have two for this. One is Brenna Aubrey. We talked about this in our episode about um, bodily autonomy. Okay. Um, but Brenna Aubrey has a book called um, At Any Moment, which is the third in a trilogy following the same characters, or maybe it's the second in a trilogy, but there are, like, it's the third book, and I don't know, there's a book before it with the same characters. Mm -hmm. um, and we talked about this because it's a book when a, where a heroine chooses to terminate a pregnancy. 
And the reason why she chooses to terminate a pregnancy is because she has been diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, So that, I would say, exists. Um, And then I have to, have to, have to talk about Lorraine Heath's When the Duke Was Wicked, um, which uh, is... Really, I mean, if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you know I think Lorraine is one of the, like, most unsung, uh, like, authors in romance today, writing romance today. She's so, so good. Um, And the heroine in this book is not, um, does not, it is never identified as cancer, um, but she has had a mastectomy. Mm. And so a lot, there's a lot of, like, Scar, like she's obviously very concerned about like her body and the way it is represented to the hero. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is magnificent. It's also historically accurate. We'll put something in show notes um, about the first woman, um, a very, very famous uh, case of breast cancer in Victorian England where the heroine, the heroine, I mean, she was a heroine. Mm-hmm. This woman, um, think of like how badass this must be. She was like, they were like, well, you have a tumor. And, you know, we could save you if we could cut it off, but we can't cut it off. And she was like, bullshit, cut it off. (laughs) And so she had a mastectomy before anesthesia, like, uh, which is remarkable. So um, that does not happen on the page in When the Duke Was Wicked. It has already happened, um, but I love it. And I think it might really work for you. Um. Should we wrap up there, Sarah? Let's see. We have lots that we didn't get to. We're going to figure out how to get to them. Yeah. Um, oh, this one's sort of funny. <laughs> oh, I don't have an answer to that. Tell everybody. <laughs> Katrin from London would like to know if there's a book where the hero has a smaller penis. They always seem to have huge ones and they feel bad about that. I know. Crazy. <laughs> Um, I feel like it's always notable when they're just regular. <sighs> I can't think of one. You know, the one I'm thinking. Catherine, you've done it. Well, I have one. I've talked about it before, but it's E.E. E. Ottoman's book, um, A Matter of Disagreement. Sure. Where one of the characters is trans and that character and the, the, the one character who it again it's sort of like um there's some some magic in the book it's it doesn't really matter but i believe that character like does not have a you know his penis is a little smaller and it's like notable that it's perhaps part of like the trans but it was you know not a big deal because he knew what to do with it there you go and that's really all that matters that is true (laughs) i'm still looking for the wicked wallflowers i think it's sarah is convinced that in some romance novel somewhere a man's penis was described as being the size of a baby's arm. <laughs> and, and, and I, and, and I've no. been hunting high and low. I mean, I like, believe I, this mythological yeah. book, where is it? And what is it? We're all, we all want to know. Mm. So yeah, that's, that's it though. That's the only one I have, but I remember specifically in that book, in the E. e. Ottoman book. And it was, um, it was great. They still have a great time because it doesn't matter. All right. Do we have a good AMA to end with? Um, yeah, that's a good one. Um, you know, the, uh, wait, I did a little flipping ahead. Okay. Remember back Rosa who won a historical romance with mm-hmm. people of color has, um, wants to know about developing the process of a book cover. And you just had, I know it's like a couple of months later, right? Your book cover, 
Your new book cover mm-hmm. released an EW is a great article with you. So do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm very lucky because I get to be a part of the book cover process and not every author gets to be a part of it. But um, about eight to ten months before publication date, you get an email from your editor saying, hey, what do your characters look like? Mm. And you have to write her a note that explains, like, what your characters look like. Oh, and then usually it's like, do you have any sense? Now I get sort of a, do you have any requests for color? Do you have, mm-hmm. like, because now I'm on book 15. So sometimes it's like, well, I've never had a yellow book or I've right. never had a whatever book. So what, could we try orange? Could we try? Um, and sometimes it's just, you know, whatever. And then they'll say, uh, are there any scenes in the book that might work as a cover location? Um, I very rarely do that piece. Yeah. Um, except in my Rules of Scoundrels books, this, the casino series, um, I wanted them all to be indoors. Cool. Because I was like, I want the setting. Like, yeah. I knew the casino would be a big piece of it, so I wanted the setting to feel interesting to be a part of it. Um, yes. I, I was going to say, I talked to Reese Ryan, who yeah. I think her covers are some of the so best beautiful. in the business. And I asked her, like, how how are you, like, getting these amazing covers? And it didn't make it into my interview with her, what she said, but it was really interesting. At Harlequin, she fills out for every book something called the cover fact sheet. And I've it, heard yes. tell of this fact sheet. And it was, I was fascinated by it. Like, I kind of want to interview someone from Harlequin and get more details and talk to people in their art department. Because essentially... So so what Reese said is she's like extensively fills it out. She gives a lot of information. She'll even like look for um, pictures with their hair, like right, like the way she describes yeah. so that people really know what she's talking about. She'll really like attach, you know, like so, you know, you can essentially attach images, yep. like really give them the idea. And so one of the things she said is she feels like her covers are so good because she is so um, really diligent of filling out those cover fact oh, sheets. Oh, that's really Yeah, it was really interesting. And I remember thinking like, oh, this isn't going to make it in my 700 word interview with you. But it was so fascinating. Yeah. Well, I remember um, it took me a long time to realize that like the art department, obviously, I mean, yeah. is very visual. Sure. So I would do these like elaborate descriptions and then get a cover and be like, wait, I don't understand. This doesn't look <laughs> anything like what I described. But of course it didn't because sure. they're visual and I'm not. Yeah. So um, the story of the cover of The Day of the Duchess is that I actually sent them an image of uh, Kate Blanchett on a chaise lounge. Yeah. Hello, B and her <laughs> books. Um, and I will post this in show notes, um, the image. But you can see that they they took that image and then they turned it into. Yeah, that's awesome. what I think. I mean, like, I think that is one of my most beautiful covers. Yeah. Ever. And um, same thing. So re- you know, it is sort of. Yeah, right. And it totally made sense to me. And I got to go. To, and then now I get to go to the photo shoots and I get to, you know, play Barbies with them, which is <laughs> really fun. Um, and it's as fun. That, it's one of the most fun parts of the books. That's awesome. Anyway, that is the end of 2019 with us. Can you believe it? No. Here we are. 2020 is going to be a real pisser, I bet. God, get ready for us to just be mad all the time in 2020. We all need to be mad. Be mad and be voting. That's it's all true. that counts. Uh, for our for our holiday present, we would like you to register to vote. Yeah. And also tell us anytime you read a great book. That's right. Buy the books you want to see in the world. Happy New Year, everybody. <laughs> Happy New Year. I live in St. 
San Diego, and I used to buy books when it was in the free category on the romance section, because falling on a college budget. Um, but I have to say, the first book that really flooded me, that led me to actually purchase books moving forward um, in the series, was Sweet Ruin um, by Freshly Cole. And after I read that book, I went back and purchased every single book over the course of probably three weeks and read um, the 17 books that were out in the series at the time. So that was definitely my main one. And um, I think that book, the main thing was the kind of the shock of things that happened in there that were unique um, in the world of romance and just how fleshed out and the comedy and um, the writing in general really 